Good morning, Cross Point. Good morning. Hope you guys are doing well. Children, you can be released for Children's Church. And if the rest of you would turn with me to Psalm chapter 37. I'm so grateful for Justin for preaching that the last two weeks as we finished up 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Uh, I'm just so blessed that he's able to be here and share his gift of preaching with us. So I pray that you were blessed as well. And, and I'm excited because today we're actually starting a brand new series. We're starting a series called Summer in the Psalms. But, but here's why I'm excited. This is not just a random collection of psalms, right? Like just fill the summer. People are going to be traveling, throw some psalms in there, get through it, and then move on. That's not at all what we're doing. This is actually a specific collection of psalms that's helping us convey a singular idea, a theme that we're going to see throughout the summer. And it's this, that Jesus is glorified when we bring everything of ourselves to him in surrender. Now you might be like, okay, that's kind of obvious, <laughs> right? But what does that mean? That Jesus is glorified when we bring our everything to him, because that's what I want to press in together in this series. That what is our everything? What are we made of? What is it that we are bringing to God? And I think this is where, to kind of help set a tone for our series this summer, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 27 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Like, just get, get our minds around this for a second. The God of peace, may God himself sanctify you completely, through and through, when you bring your everything to him in surrender. But what is that? What is that completely? What I want us to see here is how the Bible describes personhood. What are we? What are we bringing to God? Meditations, artistic expressions of our soul with its varied and full spectrum of emotions all brought into surrender before God. That's what I'm desiring in this series. And if you think about these, this collection of 150 songs as being the library of songs on your computer, on your phone. If you're like me, I then have playlist, right? Like I have my, I'm going to the gym to work out. I want something with a beat. I'm not listening to slow stuff. But when I'm working, I have the classical music. When I'm cruising on the motorcycle, I have a playlist for that. I have these categories of songs, playlists that are themed together. The Psalms is very much like that. There's themes that put these songs into playlists, if you will. How are they put together? Some of these we're familiar with. There's songs of praise and thanksgiving, and we're like, yes, we know those. Let's sing those. But what about the feelings we're not as comfortable with? What about when you're ticked off, right? And you're actually wishing harm on somebody else. There's psalms like that called imprecatory psalms. There's themes of those. There's themes, what about the sad songs playlist? Not just sad, but like a deep, broken lament. There's themes like that too. What about when, when you feel broken by the reality of, of your own sin before a holy God? There's songs like that. 
What I want us to see is to go through these different themes this summer, to see what it means to bring our whole self, our everything to God in surrender, what we believe, what we do, but also our hearts. Today, we're going to be starting in Psalm 37. It's called a a Psalm of Wisdom. It's very much like the Proverbs. And in many ways, I almost want you to picture it was written by King David in his old age. I imagine it. Imagine Anthony, right? Like in his 70s, 80s, gray. Maybe he's balding, but he still has that beautiful beard, right? And he's sitting on, on his porch with his guitar. And his kids are there and his grandkids are there sitting at his feet. And he's singing them a song. A song that tells a story of what it means of those who follow God and those who don't and how they feel about it. And he wants them to remember this song. And so he puts each stanza to each letter of the alphabet. For King David, this was 22 stanzas of the Hebrew alphabet. And so each new stanza started with the next letter of the alphabet to help them remember this story. We're going to be taking a slightly different approach as we look at it today, but what I want us to see is the story of wisdom that unfolds and our feelings that we're going to have to process of agitation, anger, and envy. When we see that the unrighteous, when we see wicked people thriving and successful and and prospering, How, what is happening in our hearts? Not just what do you believe, not just how are you living, but what do you do with the emotions that you're feeling in that process? So I'm going to pray and then I want to read part of the passage. I'm not going to have a stand as we normally do because it's 40 verses long and I'm not going to read it all at once. (laughs) So I'm going to be reading it in stages to walk us through. So I just want to invite you, let's pray together and then we're going to dive in. Lord, I thank you. For this time this morning, Lord, to be in your word surrendered together. Lord, I pray that your spirit would help us discern and understand our own hearts. Lord, sometimes we can willingly bring our beliefs and and even our actions and lay them in surrender. And yet there are emotions that we process that can feel wrong or bad, that we try to hide. And yet you invite us to bring our whole self and surrender to you. So Lord, help us do that. What we're going to see in, in today's passage is really four ways to surrender agitation and envy to God. If you just look with me at the first two verses, this kind of sets the tone for for where we're going. What of our hearts are we bringing to him this morning? It says, do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong, for they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Consider the emotional response here. Those emotions that we see, don't be agitated of evildoers. Don't envy those who do wrong. This isn't just telling us what to believe, though it will. It's not just telling us what to do, though we're going to see that it does do that as well. How our emotions, once we surrender them to God, lead us into obedience. But it's calling us to address our soul, to address our hearts and how we feel. And and, and I wonder if it resonates with us, right? The the agitation or the envy. If you're in school and you see another student cheating and then getting a better grade than you, 
right? And if the teacher grades on a curve, now that just messed up your grade and you tried to do it legit. And now that student's going to get a better GPA and might get acceptance, admission into the college or the internship they want. And meanwhile, you're trying to do things right. Do you feel the agitation? It's not fair. Why do they succeed when they're doing it wrong? The same thing happens at work. Doesn't it? Someone's lazy. They're not working hard. They take extended breaks. They don't do their job, but they go out partying with the manager on the weekend. And so when it's time for don't keep talking. Where it says, be silent. Listen. Permanently. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. The instruction of his God is in his heart and his steps do not falter. The wicked one lies in wait for the righteous and intends to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in the power of the wicked one or allow him to be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord. And keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. And you will watch when the wicked are destroyed. Here's the thing that strikes me. Like verse 24. Like what does it mean, the righteous? Like can I say that of myself? I stumble, I fall. Am I good enough? Like am I wicked? Am I righteous? By faith in Jesus Christ, we are declared righteous. And look at what verse 24 says. Righteousness does not mean perfection. It doesn't mean we always get it right. But what it's saying is that though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because the Lord supports him with his hand. It's this picture that even the righteous in our walking, we will stumble, we will fall, but we will not be crushed by that. Because God is the one who supports us. It is about him and for him and to him. Righteousness is not just about us getting everything perfect. Righteousness is about our trust and hope in God. And this causes us then to walk in step with God. Imperfectly, yes. And yet God's graciousness upholds us. And it causes us then to live and act differently. In the midst of seeing that that the wicked have prospered, like we feel like we have less, we feel like it's unfair, we've surrendered our agitation and our envy to God. And because of that, even with what we have, it causes us to live differently, not for ourselves, but for God. We see in verse 26 that we are generous. We lend to others. Children are not a burden, but a blessing. They're not just a, they don't just consume our resource. They are a blessing to the family. Verse 27, we turn from evil and we do what is good. The righteous seek justice. We don't abandon our brothers and sisters in time of need. 30, we speak with wisdom as God's word is in our heart and God is forever present. Do you see what happens? Like, yes, when we think of surrendering our whole self, our spirit, our body, and our soul, that sometimes when we just look at our spirit and our body, okay, what do I need to do? There's a calling to surrender our hearts and to acknowledge, I'm feeling agitated, I'm feeling angry. Like, I start my morning devotions with the question of, to discern my own heart. Where is my heart this morning? Where are my emotions? Is, is the place where I begin in my journal. And then it's the question, surrendering that to God. 
And then I open his word and allow it to speak as I meditate on his word. It's bringing our whole self to him, our mind, our body, and our soul. And then realizing that as we live in this whole surrender, he transforms us. When we feel scarcity, we live with generosity. When we feel insecurity, we, we, we're providing and living for the good of others. Do you see the transformation that happens? And it's not done with a, a heart that's resistant to it, of just to do the right thing, but God is transforming our affections as we surrender, transforming every aspect, our whole life, for his glory. And we see that in the end, what it means for us to trust and put our hope in God is that God is our security. We see that in these final verses. I have seen the wicked, violent person, well-rooted, like a flourishing native tree. They seem like an oak tree. They seem like they're doing great. I thought I was supposed to be the oak, and they were grass, and it's like, I'm looking at them. And it seems like they're this well-rooted tree. But then I passed by in the school of time and noticed he was gone. And I searched for him, but he couldn't be found. Watch the blameless and observe the upright. For the person of peace will have a future, but the transgressors will all be eliminated. The future of the wicked will be destroyed. And here's where we see that God is our security in verse 39. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord, their refuge in time of distress. The Lord helps and delivers them. He will deliver them from the wicked and will save them because they take refuge in him. This is the calling. This is the belief as we've surrendered our hearts before God, as that's transforming our actions in obedience, it comes back to speaking to our spirit. What then do we believe about God? And what we see God doing is deepening our convictions of belief because we have surrendered the emotions of our heart. And in many ways, what he is doing is heart surgery. That in many ways, emotions are a symptom, a response to beliefs that are rooted in our hearts. Like, why are we agitated when it seems like the wicked prosper? Why do we envy that? Is what, it, what the question is getting to. Why we surrender? Because I think what we find is I'm agitated because, quite honestly, those who are well off, seem like they have more security and comfort than we do. It's like, but where does our security and comfort come from? See, we say that, that, that the rich can hide behind their money, but the poor are often vulnerable. And we feel that vulnerability. We feel that risk when we're like, somebody else is prospering. Somebody else is getting the better grades. Somebody else is getting the job. Someone else is getting the promotion. Someone else is getting the raise. And do they deserve it? It's unfair. But as we surrender our agitation and envy to the Lord, the question comes, where does our hope come from? Where does our security come from? Where does our comfort come from? Do you see what's happening? That belief? And it's saying the salvation 
of the righteous comes from God. This is how we apply trust in God. Salvation comes from Him. God is our refuge. God helps and delivers us. God is the one who saves. I can trust Him knowing that He is good because my hope, my security, my comfort is secure. It's permanent in Him. And so I can rest. That's what comes as a result when we surrender our hearts before God, when we surrender our whole lives before Him. So what do you do in conclusion? Two questions. What do you do with these emotions? Specifically, the agitation and envy comes when we feel like life is unfair. What do we do? The first thing I want you to hear, and and that's really been the whole point of the message, is is not to not have the feelings. (laughs) I think that's like, just stop feeling that way and it'll be fine. The point is to bring those feelings to God and surrender. And that in doing that, that is an act of worship. You are actively worshiping God by showing him as superior to your every emotion when we surrender them and bring them before God. It's to acknowledge those emotions, to bring it to God and surrender, to connect with the full spectrum, like to think about this for a moment. What emotions do you try to hide from God? Like, have you ever done this, like thought through, like if you were to make a list of good emotions, bad emotions, right? We do this sometimes, like it's good, feel happy, don't feel sad. Here's a piece of candy. Don't cry. We've done it. We've had it done to us. Here's a good emotion. I don't want you to feel this bad emotion because it makes me feel uncomfortable. So here, quickly, feel this good emotion. It's going to be okay. God works all things out for good. Let's just move on. Think happy thoughts. What emotions do you try to hide from God? The anger, the, like, oh, I'll give him the praise. I'll give him the thanksgiving, but he doesn't want my lament. He doesn't want my anger. He doesn't want my brokenness. I'll just bring the good things. No. What I want you to hear in this series is that he wants our whole hearts, our whole lives, our every emotion surrendered to him, our every action surrendered to him, our every belief surrendered to him. Jesus is glorified when we do this. And so consider, what are you hiding from him? What emotions are you uncomfortable with? And let us learn together to sing these songs of praise to God as we surrender to him our everything. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, I thank that you do see with both love and justice the brokenness in our world, the unfairness. Lord, that the wounds, that it's not hidden from you. You're, you're not just blind to it, Lord. But you have a purpose and a plan that is good and it's motivated with love 
to those who follow you, Lord, that you are a generous God who gives us, though we stumble and fall, you lift us up and give us an imperishable inheritance. Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn what it means to lay our everything before you in surrender. That there would be no part of our hearts, of our life, that we keep hidden for ourselves in shame or guilt or rebellion. But Lord, you would help us lay everything before you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.